0: Hi, welcome to the Love Anarchy Podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we go deep about love, relationships, and dating. I'm your host, Andrea Atherton. I'm all about love, relationships, and dating. That is definitely my thing. And in today's podcast, we have a guest, Carrie Mitchell. Carrie is a life coach and a massage therapist of 18 years. Carrie helps women working in service roles um, and service providers to help them to avoid burnout and to really live life unapologetically. Today's episode will focus on having the courage to remove the masks we wear, whether we know it or not, that block our ability to give and receive love and our ability to be authentic. And Carrie will share her powerful story of doing just that. Welcome, Carrie. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. We've been looking forward to this for a while. Yay. So so tell the listeners a little bit more about what you do.
1: Well, Andrea, I... I am a lifelong learner. I love to learn about anything and everything. And the biggest story is other people's stories. Winston Churchill said one time that if you find a job you love, you'll never have to work again. And I do massage therapy. I have been doing it for 18 years. I am recently a life coach for close to a year now. And I work with a network marketing company that focuses on gut health. So I really feel like I've got the mind, body, and spirit going. Hippocrates said about over 2,000 years ago that all disease begins in the gut. So I really feel that the pieces that I have really help people's wellness.
0: Yeah. So the mind, body, spirit connection. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we're talking today about the metaphor about wearing masks. And we took it after listening to your amazing story, which Carrie will get to soon. It really inspired the title of taking off the mask and opening the heart. And we opened up, and I realized this month is Halloween. And if you think of the metaphor of wearing a mask, of becoming something else. And taking the opportunity to try something else on and hiding behind a mask, like the masquerade parties, is people don't know who you are. And as a metaphor, we do that in our culture and our society for a lot of different reasons. Uh, we consciously or unconsciously wear these masks to protect our inner selves. Or cover up parts of us that maybe growing up we were told or that we thought we shouldn't show. We really want to fit in. We want to be loved. So sometimes we wear masks like that replicate other people. So we can conform socially. Unfortunately, masks do lie. And hiding our true selves you know albeit fair and it does work in certain situations and it does create acceptance it really buries who we really are and i really think it blocks our ability to give and receive love so this is a huge coping mechanism um so as the metaphor With the title, as we remove the masks, and sometimes there's mask after mask, we begin to be able to see our true, authentic selves and open up to love.
1: I agree with you 100%. I think that there's different phases in our life and different seasons where there are different masks that we put on, for sure, Mm -hmm. Andrea.
0: Yeah, and some are healthy. I mean, like, as being when I was a psychotherapist for 25 years, we always had a tabla la rasa, so the blank slate masks, where we became whatever our clients needed us to be. You have a very profound story about this. So, Carrie, you want to share your story with us?
1: I would love to. I have a golden mask that I kind of essentially use as my wife mask. And what it really involved when I started the gut health company, and I really kind of started diving in about some of my wealth or my health issues that I was dealing with. And I didn't realize that at that time, I had that health mask, and I was just kind of covering everything up. But it really, when I started really diving into my personal development, you talk about Halloween coming up and everybody putting on different masks to be different people. And, you know, some people want to look a little bit more sexy and some people are hiding because they don't want to be seen. And um, it's, it's an interesting metaphor and especially right now, I think that a lot of people it's becoming almost, I know that it's necessary to protect yourself from this, virus that we're dealing with. But I'm also finding in my line of work that some people are doing it as a sign of protection because they don't want to speak and they don't want to see. And a lot of people wear that invisible mask on their face and they're having that physicality of having the mask over their mouth because they just don't want to talk or they don't want to be seen and deal with whatever's happening right now. Uh, as I was diving into the life coaching program, I really realized why I do massage therapy. I've always been really good about keeping people at an arm's length. I am a girl that is a words of affirmation and it was never monetary. And through the coaching program that I went through, I realized that I was bullied a lot when I was a kid and I got put in a corner. I wore glasses and back at the time, Uh, it wasn't popular for people to wear masks. I looked different and I was easy and I didn't realize showing up to school every day that it was building my story at the time. It was just, it was a very dark time. And what I didn't realize is that it was building my life for resilient resiliency and um, persistence of just showing up every single day. And, my safety net was the nurse's office and I would go in there to try to escape because I couldn't escape anywhere else. Cause you're in school, you know, and there's 20 kids looking at you, laughing at you. And it was a pivotal point in time when I got put in a corner and everybody just sat there and laughed. And what I didn't realize is when I got up and walked away and went back to my seat and then everybody stopped laughing, I just put myself in a tunnel and I I think at that time, that's when I put myself in a bubble and I didn't realize anybody was around because I just started living for myself.
0: So it was a really invisible mask in a, in a, like a physical bubble. And I teach a lot of my coaching clients how to put a permeable bubble around them like a pink rose light, so they can have some protection, especially if you're an empath. Then I wonder if you're an empath, Carrie
1: oh a hundred percent I'm an empath a hundred percent um so you know I went through my life and really, it started kind of coming out when I was in middle school, I started to kind of grow and that bubble started to kind of pop and find in my own. And then high school, I really kind of started finding my way. And as my life, as I got older, you know, obviously, I'm growing up and things are changing. But then something else had happened to my life. And it it just kind of felt at one point in time, that I just kept getting cut down, cut down, cut down. But I had a lot of infertility issues. And the doctor had told me that I would never have kids and that I needed to pray to God that it would, he would take it into his own hands. And after 10 pregnancies, I have three children on this side of earth and being, I guess my story is, is that being bullied and telling me that there was a lot of shame and rejection and not being able to show up and being able to walk into a room knowing that it's going to come. Like, I know that the jokes and all the things are going to happen. And then going into the doctor's office knowing I'm not enough. I don't have what it takes to provide for what my husband and I want. It was just a constant, this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. But I I believe that what happened when I was a child of showing up constantly, whether I knew what was happening or not, was building to where I'm at now.
0: Yeah, that's what happens. We have a lens that gets built into our subconscious that when things happen and feel similar and we get triggered, it's that same message that we have as a kid. It's like, yeah. um, and mine was, I'm not lovable. I'm not enough. Yeah. And like you were questioning, I can't do things. So, with your fertility, did you have fertility issues at the beginning or how did it play out?
1: Yeah. I've always had infertility issues. I had something what they called PCOS. And so I just was never regular, just female issues in general. And where what, what is that? It's what they call polycystic ovary syndrome. So when you look at someone's ovaries, you can see a strand of pearls. So it prevents um, regular menstrual cycles. So at that time, I really felt like there was a new mask that got put on, but it was the very similar golden mask that I have of you're not enough. You should be shameful. Your body can't, Why you know, the questions of why are you here? what are you doing? You know, there was just a lot of similarities. That's why I call it the golden mask. Cause I really believe that everything that was building at the time is what created my journey to be where I'm at now.
0: Yeah. It's um, when our body defies us too. And the irony often is that when we have buried emotional issues. It causes physical issues. It, it, it comes up, but when it has to be pushed down for safety reasons or, you know, your perception of having to push it down that sometimes it manifests in the body.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I really believe that there was so much stress and cortisol is such a huge player in our health, you know, and I am a um, I do like what you just mentioned. I decompress. I put everything under the rug and I don't deal with it until it's too late. And so that's part of the reason why I do what I'm doing is I didn't really have the tools. I just had myself and the power of just showing up and I didn't realize I had that power until I was older.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you don't know until you know. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that it's important to be able to share the tools. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. So thank you.
0: So, when did you come up with the metaphor of the golden mask?
1: It was about five years ago. I had shown up to work one day and I was doing, you know, gut health and just really diving into that. And I realized that that's where my story had began is just that compression of nothing mattered, it does matter, and the resiliency of rejection and. You know, not having enough compassion and a leader in my company, a good friend of mine, she had looked at me and told me, she said, you're never going to be enough unless you realize you're enough yourself. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize I I would go and get ready, but I'd really never look at myself in the mirror. And I think that that was really my pivotal time in life when I just stopped for a minute and I looked at myself in the mirror and I just remember having mascara, fresh mascara on and crying and saying, you are enough. You are here. That is one of the most powerful things. And that's a coaching exercise
0: that I have women do is look in the mirror and tell themselves that they are enough and Mm -hmm. that they love, you know, I love you. And it's one of the hardest things that people can do, but women more so look in the mirror and either look at the things they don't like about themselves, or maybe Mm -hmm. only a couple things that they do, or even don't look at all. Yeah, you know, as as a mask, too. And it's exactly like that. And being able to really look at yourself, mind, body, spirit, you know, inner beauty, outer beauty is a powerful thing to do.
1: And I think that what women get caught up on a lot of time is the number on the scale instead of really, or the number in their clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, In all honesty, I was, you know, I was a size seven for most of my life. And uh, with the infertility issues and all the things, I really, I just, I doubled my size. And with gut health, you're supposed to lose weight and all the things, but that's not always what's important you know, as long as you're. (laughs) So your, your process with
0: infertility really gave an opportunity for all these things to reemerge. So you could let down the mask and become authentic. And yeah. And it, so you got married. Um, Did you
1: start having kids right away? What, what happened or trying to have children? Yeah, it was a couple of years into our marriage. And that's when we decided that, you know, we would want to start trying. And I had had three miscarriages and the doctor told me that I needed to go see a specialist. And at that point in time, uh, I ended up getting pregnant with my oldest. And I went 20 weeks of fertility, or I'm sorry, genetic counseling and the genetic counselors basically told me that either I wasn't going to survive, my son wouldn't survive, or neither one of us would make it through the pregnancy. And that they they tried to get me to, through amniocentesis, I rejected that. I just felt that I just kind of threw my hands up to God and just said, you know, give this child something that he deserves. That's
0: scary, because either you weren't going to make it, the child mm-hmm. wasn't going to make it. I mean, that yeah. is some scary predictions and they were trying to get you not to go through with the pregnancy.
1: Absolutely. And that's when I really dug my heels in and found that resiliency that I was, you know, when I was a kid using because I said, okay, I'm just going to do one day at a time, one minute at a time and just focus on me. But what I was realizing is every day I'd wake up and I'd say, okay, it's a new day, Carrie, do this. It's a new day. And halfway through the day, I would be finding myself trying to live for tomorrow. I was never really living in the moment.
0: I don't uh, think people are because we're afraid and we want to be able to control outcomes. And most things in our lives we can't control. And I especially felt that when I was pregnant. I couldn't control You know, if I was going to go full term, I couldn't control when she was going to be born. I couldn't control her gender. I couldn't control her taking my air and my food first. Yeah.
1: You know, one time I had a lady tell me, because I always said I was fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And she looked at me and she said, Carrie, are you really fine? I said, yeah, I'm fine. And she wrote, I'm fine in cursive and flipped it upside down and reversed it. And what it actually really says is help me. And that's beautiful. I, I sat there and just looked at it for a minute and I was like, okay, well, thanks so
0: one of the, oh, uh, that is beautiful, but mine usually is with clients that um, I can joke around with fine is fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. There I was, yeah, percent. Yeah, so I, you know, I, the one she did was a little more eloquent, but you know, both get to the point.
1: You know, it, it is what it is, and that's the truth. So sometimes you've the truth hurts. Yeah. So how did the pregnancy go? So I went twenty weeks in, and they were telling me that I had this genetic disorder, and the doc I remember the genetic. head doctor of the state in the hospital came in he just started laughing at me. And I just looked at him. And at that point, I just said, what the F is so funny. Like I'm over this. And he just said, you're going to be fine. And I think that that was really kind of, but it goes back to that fine word. And that was just fine, fine, fine. So I ended up using a post or like a, a doula, a doula for my um, pregnancy and When my child came out, I wouldn't hold him for the first 15 minutes until she essentially just put him on me and said, here, this is your child. You need to hold him. What was your hesitance? Well, he came out and I had never seen like an actual real newborn and he had a cone head. And I thought, holy cow, what have I done to this child for my own selfish purpose? I should have listened to the doctors was my first initial thought instead of saying he's perfect and he's beautiful. But well, that,
0: all, that, all that fear that you were batting off, I can imagine
1: any little thing would have scared you. You know, and I think that that's part of wearing the mask. For me, anyways, I just had to learn how to put it on and not listen to anybody and just really follow my heart in what I felt. You know, I think your gut is a huge, all of your gut instinct is huge.
0: Well, you and totally, just, and you totally did. And yeah, you I did You did two more times. What about your second pregnancy?
1: So I had had a miscarriage in between it. And so I've had three DNCs. And my final one was my ninth pregnancy. And it was a little boy at Christmas time at four months. And I went in, uh, I had found out the gender. We did a big reveal. My parents had just moved out of state and so we were always really close and anyway it was at Christmas time and it's my favorite season of the year and I remember oh this is going to be so great I did the big balloon thing you know all trying to live that perfect Pinterest life thinking okay life is great I'm going to have that third child and uh we had announced it to the kids and about a week later that's when I started to lose the baby and I had to go in for a DNC and That was, it was pretty pivotal for me because I remember walking into a clinic and it was dark and it was, it wasn't really dark, but it was dark in my world and it was cold and I didn't want to believe it. I felt like this time they were wrong and they weren't, but uh, I just remember coming home and crying and looking at the Christmas tree and looking at the light and saying, okay, I'm throwing my hands up, just saying, show me what I need to do with this. And my intention of doing coaching was to work with women that have miscarried. And I found that there's so much more to women. And I do want to work with the women that have miscarried and letting them know that what they have is purposeful. They just need to find their purpose for it. Because I think that when you're told that you can't do something and you can't perform something that should seem so simple and you're watching people around you get this and you're not, you, you think you start going down the rabbit hole essentially. Yeah.
0: One in three babies naturally abort and people Mm -hmm. don't know this, but two, there's no venue for women to talk about it. Right. You know, and, and I love with my coaching clients that I can open up and normalize it because Mm -hmm. it is, it is confusing and it is painful and yeah and you feel like what is wrong with me mm-hmm. so was your second pregnancy easy good what what was your second pregnancy like
1: um she it was good with her it was um i like i said i had miscarried a couple times and then i had her and then i just felt like okay i'm doing this it's just it's going to be great i was really really sick really sick and that kind of goes back to, you know, the gut health um, company that I'm working with. In the long run, I have a genetic disorder called the MTHFR gene. And essentially, the doctors had told me that it didn't matter that with this gene mutation, i um, not trying to get sidetracked, but they basically my body can't process folic acid and I need folate. Oh, yeah. Especially for pregnancy. And during the pregnancies, because they weren't doing their some of the homework, um, and this is just my thought, but you know they were giving me double folic acid to try to hold these babies, but in turn was making me really really sick. So my first pregnancy, I had almost a ten pound baby, and I put on eighteen pounds. The second pregnancy, I put on twelve because I was so sick, and she was an eight pound baby. So it really just it was a process of just doing me, you know, and really diving into personal development and quotes and listening to motivational talks. So,
0: yeah. And this was really an opportunity for you to challenge a lot of these things and challenge when people tell you no. And I, I love that about you that they're like, no, but you're like, Oh, but yes. yes. And, and even though each pregnancy didn't come to full fruition that you still knew. And you said you knew you wanted three and Mm -hmm. the three really, the third was kind of the really intense one. And Mm -hmm. you learned a lot about yourself, huh?
1: Yeah, I really did. We were building a house and I got to live with my in-laws for Seven months, but I almost lost my final, my ten. I call her my perfect ten. Uh, I almost lost her a couple of times, and that's when I really had to get forced to sit because I pretty much got on pedras. I couldn't lift more than five pounds. They tripled my folic acid. <laughs> because they were giving me more, and I didn't realize at the time that that's what was making me sick. But I had done some uh, personal development. Before I got pregnant with her, I went to this place called the Manitou Incline. And to back up, I guess, back my story up a little bit. After my ninth pregnancy, I, after walking into the cold clinic to have the DNC, I finally went to my OBGYN and I said, I need some help. I'm, I'm finally breaking. I'm broken. I've been broken, but I'm just now realizing it. And she sent me to a psychologist. And I think that it's hard for women to ask for help. And I asked for that help. And the lady had called to confirm my appointment. And I went in and I was walking down a long hall and there was a sign on her door. And when I got closer to the door, it said, I'm no longer in service, like no longer in business. Wow. And I just remember falling to my knees with the feeling of no hope and no one to help me. And I cried in public for the first time in my life. And <laughs> I was never a big crier, but the eye was so broken. And I remember... felt so alone. I, I, I can't imagine. I did. And... uh I remember getting up, I had to pull myself up off the ground. I said, okay, and I just counted to 10. And Mel Robbins, I don't know if any of you know of her, but she talks about the five-second rule. And I just remember saying in my head, okay, five, four, three, two, one, go. And I got up, and I walked to my car. I pulled, I pulled my shit together, and I put on the mask, the physical mask of I'm fine. And I got in the car, and I called my friend, and I said, I need help. psychologist is no longer in business. So we ended up going down to the Manitou incline and the Manitou incline, I called it the stairway to hell because I, once I got on, I couldn't get off. (laughs) That thing is intense, but talk about all the glory. I, every step I took, I kind of let shit go. And I said, I am more than this. I have a purpose here. And I would take a step and I would just take another deep breath. And I'm like, I'm made for more. And so it was really just a pivotal moment of, I've got this and I'm going to do this. And when I got to the top of that mountain, if you look to the right, you can see Pike's Peak. And then you look down all over, you know, the creation. I said, this is, you know, what God created and I'm here for more. And I was ready to go. And then I ended up getting pregnant with my final child. So...
0: That is a beautiful story. And uh, yeah, the Manitou Incline, let me tell you, is intense. And I think a lot of people do it exactly why you did, to really reaffirm their strength. I mean, there's no oxygen there. It's so steep. Mm -hmm. But you needed something to measure
1: your strength. Mm Mm-hmm. And I would say that that's really, you know, as a massage therapist, I was probably in my 11th year of doing, uh, that's crazy. That's my 11th. It was probably my 11th year, Uh, but I had met a lady on the journey. There was a mutual friend and she had referred me to a spiritual guide. And that spiritual guide really tapped into a lot of things that I had no idea I was really aware of. And I would say that, Being able to take that mask off is to be be really able and willing to look at yourself in the mirror and knowing who you are and knowing that you have a purpose and being willing to, if one door slams in your face, to be able to find another door.
0: Because we don't know our strength unless we have these obstacles that come up in our lives. Yeah,
1: It's what makes us stronger, but yeah. What did you learn from the spiritual teacher? You know, there's a different side to everything, but it, it was really just a powerful moment without getting into too much. There's, there's definitely another side to all of it. For sure. She really tapped into the energies and, um, Personally, she was able to connect into my grandfather and my great grandmother who uh, was telling her that I actually needed love in my life. And there was a place that I needed to go and be able to surround myself into a hammock with the hot warmth of just kind of like that whole nurturing, like when we're little babies of being swaddled. But she told me that there was a place locally that I needed to go and lay in a hammock and just let the sun beat on me and just know that I'm enough. And there's a yoga studio here that has love in the name. And I didn't really realize until um, she has love more, hate less on the wall. And a couple of years ago, I really found myself just staring at that wall when I'd be facing it of just love yourself more, just love yourself more. And last week I went back to her studio and uh, for restorative. And I, I found myself saying, seeing more different words of just more, more, more. It's more of a mural, but I really kind of came to fruition with the spiritual guide that. She, so I did this yoga Nidra thing in an aerial yoga position. It was aerial yoga through the yoga Nidra, Um uh, Form. i guess that's meditation i guess um so i did it for an hour of deep meditation and i woke up in the middle of this whole meditation thinking of the spiritual guide that happened four years ago in this love yoga studio wrapped up in the aerial silks and in thought, the hammock in the hammock quote quote hammock yeah and i thought wow it, it came all, it came full circle full circle So yeah, every I really believe that everything that crosses your path, the people, the things, everything has a purpose. And a lot of people aren't awake enough to see what's happening. They're just on the hamster wheel of life of just get to the next day, get to the next minute instead of just being present.
0: Yeah. It's a gift to be in the moment. And I knew when I met Carrie, um, and we belong to a coaching group together and in looking at her background right now, and it says "Love in the background and she made a comment like when I first met her, too, she's like, "Yeah, I just felt, and her mask is actually up there too um, and I think that is such a beautiful metaphor
1: yeah. it, you know it's actually a word that I've really struggled with I've been married for almost eighteen years and it's been a word that has really struggled. And it's actually one of my core pieces of my coaching program. Um, With love, I really believed for so long that it stood for limiting beliefs and overcoming, or I'm sorry, owning, I'm sorry, limiting beliefs, owning fear, having valueless thoughts and entrapment of my own ego. And I had no idea that You know, love really could be living your own truth and being optimistic and having validation and being effective in my life. So,
0: yeah. And then it comes back to, and self love is trusting your gut and not listening to other professionals. I mean, there is some value in that. But when it comes back, especially as intuitive as being a mom and pregnancy and, that has so much to it. I mean, like knowing, being, te- you know, having telepathy and knowing when your kid is struggling, mm-hmm. um, that, that connection with it. But yeah, people, um, really struggle. and when you're wearing a mask. It is really hard because if you're not being authentic, then people are loving the mask and not loving you. And when you're wearing a mask, you're wearing a mask around your heart, and you can't take in love either that way.
1: Yeah, it really puts in perspective of you can't, you know, it's like the whole Christmas analogy that you can't give unless you receive. Or how does that?
0: Yeah, it's kind of love comes (laughs) full circle. It's like, and then too, you can't really love anyone until you love yourself.
1: It was better to give than to receive is how I was always taught. Oh yeah. Oh
0: yeah. We were all taught that way. Give, 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 and have it be about other people. Yeah. And and that's, that's probably why a lot of times women and men don't trust themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's why we try to emulate other people and wear those masks.
1: You know, Hippocrates said one time, healing is a matter of time, but it's only sometimes also a matter of opportunity. So what does that
0: mean? What does that mean for you?
1: I think that it's okay to take a moment and just spend, even if it's 30 minutes to accept where you are for that day and saying, okay, this is where I'm at today for 30 minutes. I'm struggling. And then try to find those tools, whether it's daily affirmations or reaching out to a coach for an SOS or asking for a, psych- you know, a psychologist or some sort of therapist. Um, but I think that what you deal with in your life and what you're healing and recovering from is really the greatest opportunity of your lifetime to be able to reach out and say, hey, I'm here and I'm real. I understand what you're going through. Let me help you.
0: And pain is the biggest motivator to change. We would never change if these situations in our life weren't painful. We would never cha- change our thinking or how we lived in the world, and we wouldn't challenge ourselves to see how strong we are.
1: Absolutely.
0: Where are you at now? With I mean, that is—it's an amazing story in the metaphors about you know I love the metaphor about the spiritual teacher says I see you in a hammock and I you need to let more love in your life and it's so simple that she Mm -hmm. said you know said that but it you know you finally came to realize it and it's not something like oh I'm gonna go to the supermarket hey what aisle is love on it doesn't doesn't work like that you know and yeah, and we've got to be brave enough to take off our masks and our layers and be vulnerable enough and ask for for help. And that sounds like it was something that was vulnerable for you.
1: Absolutely. You know, as far as authors go, if you guys, to your listeners, if anybody needs any kind of good books, I highly recommend um, Brene Brown. She's an, a very big advocate in vulnerability you know, she says owning your story and loving ourselves through the process is the bravest thing we'll ever do, and that's it's so true.
0: And yeah. another quote from Brene Brown is, "If you're not failing, you're not doing it right." Exactly. Because that means you're not taking risks, and that's what we're here to do, and that's what helps us grow. And when we resist change, and are we're in our ego in the future trying to control things, then we get stuck.
1: And well, they say that what resists, persists. So, yeah, exactly. Sorry, I mean to interrupt you.
0: <laughs> no, that's okay. Like in, yeah, in the laws, you know, in the universal laws of attraction, it's like, too, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't. Well, that's what you're going to get. Yeah, 100%. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for being on and sharing your story. It, it is so inspiring, and um, you're so brave. And it's amazing that you're sharing these gifts with your clients now. Thank
1: you so much for having me. You know, it's my story, and hopefully, it helps some of your listeners to understand that yes, it. it's okay. It, it really,
0: it really inspired me. Thank so, you. Thank you. You're welcome. How can people get a hold of you if they're interested in massage or working with you?
1: You know, I am a muscle girl, not a technology girl. So I'm getting there. Um, But you can find me at FirelightConnections.com. That's F-I-R-E-L-I-T-E, Connections.com. Socially, you can find me on LinkedIn under Carrie Mitchell and Firelight Connections. Instagram is connect underscore Firelight. And Facebook is Firelight Connections. I'm just getting started on the professional quote quote side of all the social things. So come find me there. Let me know that you listen to this podcast and I'll send you a free gift.
0: And Carrie and I have been talking about putting together some retreats and workshops so you can find the information on there as well. So that is something that you're you're planning on doing in the future too. Can you say yeah,
1: more? I'm so excited about those retreats. Mm -hmm. I think that the connection with women and finding that we're not alone is going to be such a powerful piece and showing up with a little compassion and love and showing these women that the validation of where they're at is a powerful piece. Yeah. You can only do you. So I can't wait to meet you.
0: I know, and I can't wait to meet you in person. I feel I'm like, of course,
1: I feel like I know you, but you know, I know this. I, we can't reach through the Zoom link,
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. But thank you for being in my life. I, you know, like there's no there's no mistakes.
1: No, and you've enriched my life so much. I enjoy your oh. podcast, and I'm so excited for you.
0: You you have mine too. So thank, thank you. you, thank you so much. And thank you listeners for listening in with us on the Love Anarchy podcast and the Relationship Rebellion, where we go deep about love, relationships, and dating. And I'm your host, Andrea Atherton, Love and Relationship Coach, signing off with you today. I'd like to thank you for listening to Love Anarchy because I know you have a myriad of podcasts that you can choose from but you chose to listen with us. Tell your friends about the podcast so they can listen to, and don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when a new episode uploads. I'm going to leave you with my favorite short but sweet quote, love is the only true power.